Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. Next's Black Monday by Steve Heyman at blog.heyman.net. For a while, the entirety of Next Canada was me in Toronto and a guy in Vancouver. Hi, Scott. We would phone each other up once a year on Memorial Day or July 4th just to verify the other guy was still there. Today, February 7th, 2021, is the 28th anniversary of the day in 1993 that Next decided to stop making its iconic black computers, abandon work on a power PC-based workstation, try selling its hardware business and factory to Canon, focus on software, rename the company Next Software, and, not insignificantly, lay off 300 of its 540 employees, including me, systems engineer for Next Canada. Looking back at my calendar, I see that February 7th was actually a Sunday, so I might be off by one in my reminiscing. But still, it was kind of a big deal, personally. I remember we all received an urgent voicemail, and the entire Next Canada office, all three of us, were instructed to fly to Chicago immediately for some news. That was an interesting trip, as Phil, Paul, and myself debated exactly what was going on and who was going to be left standing. And we were all let go, effective immediately. And, I still can't believe we felt we needed to do this, we went to visit our big customers back in Toronto in person the following day to let them know what was going on. You know those charts where they assign numerical values to various stress factors? Getting laid off was one thing, but we had also just bought a house and were expecting child number one. I needed a bigger chart. I remain, however, eternally grateful to Trimark Investment Management, one of our biggest customers, because when we visited and told them all of Next Canada had been let go, they said, huh, that's unfortunate. Do you want to do some consulting for us? Thus began the historic short life of the consulting firm Steve Heyman and Associates. There were no associates. So that was the layoff meeting in Chicago, where somebody I had never met before told me I no longer had a job. One thing I remember, I said, I want to keep my computer. Okay, what computer do you have? I quickly changed the subject because I think I actually had two computers. Trimark had a fleet of Nexts, and I had a Next at home, so I bought a portable SCSI hard drive to carry my work back and forth because how else were you supposed to do that in 1993? One gigabyte! Massive! And it was only $1,000! I know this will come as a surprise to nobody, but Steve Heyman and Associates was not exactly a huge success. I blame the Associates, of course. Eighteen months later, as Next pivoted to software, the regional team from Michigan came to Toronto to present to, I've forgotten who exactly, some bank or something. They kindly invited the entire Steve Heyman and Associates team to attend. Before the session started, the Next team said offhandedly, Hey Steve, how about you do the presentation? I guess in retrospect it was kind of an audition. And what do you know? I guessed Next saw one of the errors of its ways and offered me a job again. It is possible I'm still telling the same jokes and presentations because, you know, object-oriented programming encourages reuse. <laughs> so, miraculously, 
Even though this day in February 1993 was a very stressful low point for me and hundreds of others, I was lucky enough to be drafted by Next a second time. I still have a surprising quantity of Next business cards. I keep them with my SCSI cables. Hey, you never know. The Merger December 20th, 2021 By Steve Heyman at blog.heyman.net 25 years ago today, in 1996, I was a field systems engineer for Next, one of three Next employees in Canada, and our family was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, introducing a three-week-old baby to his grandmother. Nobody had reliable cell phones back then, so most messaging was done through a voicemail system called Audix, and somehow I still remember the number, 1-800-345-5588. I dialed it the other day, Number not in service, but I can still dial it quickly. So anyway, we got a sudden Audix message. Urgent. Everyone must dial in at 2 p.m. I went looking for a reliable landline for the call, not having much idea what it was about, and somehow wound up on a payphone at the Steamtown Railroad Museum, which I kind of wanted to visit anyway. Scott Forstall, also a Next employee at the time, was we were all sitting at Next in a big conference room. It was late December, 96, and I had a plane to catch. And I sat there, I sat there, and I was like, I gotta hear this. And Steve's down there trying to hammer out the very last details. And finally, I had to go to the airport. I got on the plane, and for the only time in my life, when they had those, those phones on the plane, you could swipe a credit card, and it would just like empty your account. <laughs> I, I, I sat there listening to it, and, and probably by the end of the hour-long thing, I was like, well, my stock just paid for this call. And there, we learned that Next had agreed to be acquired by Apple for $400 million. In retrospect, the technology involved in the merger wound up being so one-sided that many people say Next actually bought Apple for negative $400 million. A few years later, something like 70% of Apple's vice presidents were ex-Next people. Pixar veteran Michael Johnson recollects at Next Event 2015. So I walked up there and, and I saw Avi. And he Avi Tavanian, creator of the Mock Kernel, key software engineer at Next, and vice president of software engineering at Apple. He turns around and he sees me and he goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> and so I had that black power book and I pulled it out of my backpack and I said, well, I heard the inmates are running the asylum and so I thought I'd come check it out. I was floored. I didn't expect this at all. Next was struggling. Our founder, Steve Jobs, seemed to be spending all his time at his other company, Pixar. And although we had just eked out our first quarterly operating profit, mostly based on selling web objects, a Java application server, we weren't exactly setting the world on fire. John Rubenstein, whom you'll know from his work on the Next Station, the iPod, and every Mac starting from the first iMac to the first Intel Macs. I mean, Next was a, was, was, was a shit show, right? I mean, it was just total chaos. They couldn't sell anything. You know, it was a, it was a great product, but it was never finished. Nothing was ever finished. And, you know, because Steve was always pushing stuff out the door before it was ready. Is that on the hardware side? Or everything. Or the everything. The software Every wasn't ready, the hardware wasn't ready, nothing okay. was ready. A press release from three weeks before the merger shows the sort of thing Next was selling at the time. Web objects powered CyberSlice, a revolutionary new system for, get this, ordering pizza from your computer. Web objects was also behind the Disney and Dell online stores, 
and Steve had even demonstrated using it to buy plane tickets through a web browser. Heady stuff for the mid-1990s. It must have been killing Steve Jobs that his vision of a revolutionary new workstation and operating system for higher education hadn't panned out, and that he was now reduced to selling enterprise server software for $50,000 a copy. Peter Graffagino, head of graphics and imaging for Next and Apple. And what I was going to say about the, the final days of Next was it was really kind of depressing because we could see, you know, uh, next machines had failed, next step for PA risk, for DEC, for all these, you know, IBM had failed, uh, next step for Intel was not going well, next step for Windows, which worked embarrassingly well, <laughs> was also not going very well. So the company had kind of shifted to web objects. Apple was seemingly caught in a death spiral too, and was getting awfully close to running out of money. Well, Apple was about 90 days away from going bankrupt back then, in the early days. John Rubenstein. Uh, the company was in shambles, absolute shambles. We went to the first executive staff meeting, and I listened to what was going on, and I look at Avi, and I'm like, oh my God, what did we get ourselves into? I mean, this is a disaster. Nobody's running the place. It's chaos in, in the exec staff meeting. I mean, the ideas everyone has is nuts. Fred's doing the best he can to keep the company financially solvent, but, you know, we're about to go bankrupt. From the outside and the interview process, you would never have known how bad it was. It was so awful. It was unbelievable. Two weeks earlier, I received a phone call from my former Next colleague, Barb, who'd gone to work for Apple. She asked if I wanted to come along. No, thank you, I replied politely, when what I was really thinking was, what, that bunch of losers? Why would I go there? They're the only company going out of business faster than we are. Peter Graffagino. So those of us who were like OS geeks were like, well, what are we going to do? You know, but there was a core of us, Avi, Bertrand, me, who hung out there. And, you know, thank God for the Apple acquisition, because we all got to kind of bring all the technology uh, to well, the world. So that, that worked out cool. But a lot of us didn't want to go. We were like, I don't want to go work at Apple. You know? <laughs> don't make me work on Mac OS. You know? <laughs> But the merger happened anyway, and Barb called me about a minute after it was announced to say, well, we really wanted to hire you, so this is the only plan we could think of. I always wondered if the message of, we really need to hire Steve from Next, became garbled somehow. Shortly thereafter, Barb called and invited me to visit Apple's office in Markham, Ontario, to show us what the heck it was we had just bought. What Apple was most interested in was the Next Step operating system, which had already been ported to Intel processors. I wasn't even using that day-to-day -day anymore. Most of my work was using web objects on Windows NT, but I managed to reinstall Next Step on my Toshiba Tecra and took that up to Markham for a demo to the Apple team. I remember struggling to get my laptop to work with their weird mutant boardroom projector and thinking, geez, I hope this works. And I wasn't just thinking about the projector. Ultimately, we got it to work at a cramped 640 by 480, and I was able to show off Next Step, Unix, Interface Builder, and, horrors, the Terminal Program, which was pretty much the opposite of what Apple had been providing. Michael Johnson again. They had a panel, folks. Some of you will not believe this, but they had a panel which was Ask the Vice Presidents. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. And, and it was literally like Avi, and I don't forget whoever else was in a VP, but like one of the questions was, will you ship Terminal? 
right? <laughs> like these were the sorts of questions yeah. like that because because the Mac people in the room were like, if you've shipped terminal, you are dead to me. <laughs> we were so uncertain about the success of this merger that we all handed out our next business cards for as long as those phone numbers and emails still worked. Remind me to write up my I was Steve at next.com story sometime too. Eventually all was well. The merger happened at a historic low point for Apple, and once Steve Jobs came back as CEO, an incredible technical and business turnaround began. John Rubenstein. I mean, history's been rewritten a bit, but Steve didn't come back until, like, after 4th of July. Yeah, whenever Gil got fired that year. July 6th, 1997. That's when Steve came back. And then Fred was actually interim. Nobody remembers that at all. But, but Steve didn't come back. He was just advising. Fred stepped into the interim CEO position for, for quite a few months. We interviewed a dozen people to be CEO, and Steve didn't like any of them. I mean, Larry's been quoted as saying, no, 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 Steve had this strategy of how he was going to do this, and he was going to get back to take over the company. That is certainly not what I saw. Now, it may be that Steve kept it secret from me, anything's possible, but we were pretty close at the time. And I know Lorraine didn't want him to go back, because it meant it, he would disappear. And a lot of stress, too, probably. A lot of stress. and. Yeah, so Steve, Steve was just an advisor. Next software became the foundation of everything Apple made. Ironically, Next was on the verge of shelving Next Step, but John Landwehr, a mid-level Next guy, Hi John, how are things at Adobe? Cold called Apple CTO Ellen Hancock to ask if they needed a robust operating system. Next Step became the foundation of Mac OS X. Next's project builder and interface builder became Xcode and Next's love of the Objective-C language eventually created Swift. And all that technology that I started learning when I bought my $11,000 Next Cube in Indiana in 1988 now runs on my phone, and my watch, on my wrist. Objective-C and Next Step runs on my wrist today. Crazy. And here we are. It's been a pretty amazing run. The three-week-old baby turned out to be a fine young man, too. Comment on Hacker News from Disk Zero, January 2022. Tiger was the first release of Mac OS X that I was truly proud of. I came to Apple not as part of the next acquisition, but from the post-pivot B, which had decided to focus their attention on Internet appliances. My love at the time was operating systems, and specifically graphical user interface libraries and components. Apple, internally at that time, was frightening. Coming neither from Apple or Next, I had an interesting position, being able to talk to various people more candidly. The Blue team, Systems 7, 8, and 9, on the second floor of the IL-2 building, seemed to be in constant distress. The Advanced Technology Group on the third floor of IL-3 was being swept out in mass layoffs and departures. Avi Tavanian. It was called, I believe, Apple Research, yeah. and we shut it down. Yeah. Not because we didn't like research, but because from an operational perspective, we had to have all hands on deck working on the products that we thought were important. Yeah. And so we could no longer afford to fund it, and we could no longer take the risk, if you will, that they'd be going off in directions that didn't match what the company was going to do. Yeah. Remember, we're losing a lot of money at this point in time. We don't have a lot of luxuries to do things like basic research. There were still factions of Pink and Copeland adherents trying to get their technology into the beaker builds of what would become macOS 10.0 Cheetah. The beaker builds at the time were roughly reskinned versions of Next Step and pretty uninspiring. 
After my experience at B, I really wanted to be involved in creating something great that would ship and be of real value to users. At Apple, I discovered that I just wasn't happy trying to exist in the chaos. Steve Jobs wasn't yet CEO. Avi Tavanian and Bertrand Serlet were establishing a new OS organization on the fourth floor of the IL-2 building. Steve Glass was still fighting to keep OS 9 alive. In fact, OS 9 was critically important as it was needed to run on the new iMac and support all of the Apple hardware that was bringing in diminishing revenue. On that note, Steve was actively battling the Macintosh clone makers, or leeches as he called them. And I think the clone setup was done really poorly. And on the software, Apple should get a fair price based on volume. Some of the low-end Macintoshes, uh, whether they're compatibles or not, probably don't make much money. Matter of fact, you could even imagine they might lose money just to get people into the fold. And to offset those kinds of low-margin products, you need some higher-margin products at the high end. So if you're a clone maker, you think, well, I think I'll give Apple 10 bucks for the software and I'll go after the $5,000 Mac market. Well, that would be really stupid for Apple to do because this clone maker is just a leech. They're living off the fact that Apple's got this business model to, loot, you know, to not make much money at some levels and try to eke some back at the high level. In a moment of bleakness, I received a call from a friend from B. He said I should join him, Andy Hertzfeld, Susan Kerr, Bud Tribble, Bart Dacrum, Stan Christensen, Darren Adler, John Sullivan, and more at Easel. Easel wanted to create a user-friendly Linux distribution with a services model to generate revenue. Easel's main product was the Nautilus File Manager. After failing to raise additional capital, Easel went through a few rounds of layoffs. On the evening of shutting the doors, Andy gave Steve Jobs a call and told him about the Easel team, and Steve set up a large meet-and-greet with various Apple teams on the fourth floor of IL-2. Those who were interested went to the meeting. The majority of those who weren't ended up joining with previous comrades who had left B to form Danger who were now at a startup called Android. The group who went to the meet and greet contained some significant contributors to various Apple software and hardware efforts. Darren Adler, Don Melton, Ken Kashinda, Bud Tribble, Maciej Stehoviak, Pavel Sisler, John Harper, and more. Pavel helped in convincing Dominic Giampaolo of Silicon Graphics, BFS, XFS, Spotlight, and APFS fame to come to Apple. They also convinced others who were leery due to Apple's history. All that wanted to take a job were hired on the spot, and we all showed up on campus, got our pictures taken, and started doing whatever project we thought was cool. This iteration of Apple was more stable. There was no more OS 9 group, the clones were gone, ATG had been cleared out, Bertrand had a functioning software organization, the product lines were much cleaner, Boss Ording and the user interface team were cranking out good designs, and Steve Jobs was CEO and ruled with an iron fist. It was this organization that produced Tiger, the first release that I felt really represented the vision and aspirations of what a desktop operating system should be.